0: Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast, along with a newly betrothed Aaron Fitt. I am John Manuel, and Aaron, we want to congratulate you on your recent nuptials. It was, uh, uh, well, first of all, it was in cool green Asheville, so it was a plus, plus two big ones on that, going to the site of my alma mater, uh, Great Asheville, Asheville High, School, High School, which my son dismissed, gave a dismiss, a cursory glance when I drove him past <laughs> my lovely alma, alma mater of Asheville High. But a uh, good time had by all. Baseball America social event of the season, I think... Uh, it's hard to outstrip the annual Will Lingo Super Bowl party, yeah. but the Fit Wedding managed to do that. So, well, so huge kudos to you on, on overcoming that. Well, we're just glad that uh, you guys were able to come celebrate with us. It was. It was a celebration. We celebrated good times, and that's what we're going to do on this podcast here on BaseballAmerica.com and at iTunes uh, where you can download us. You can, of course, follow us on Twitter. We're over 5,000 followers now on Twitter. Uh, in fact, I think we're well over 5,000. We'll probably pick up a few more. I think Ben Badler going to pick up a few more after his uh, mention in Rob Nyer's uh, blog uh, last uh, today uh, when we were recording this, and uh, we picked up a lot since the draft, picked up a lot on draft uh, deadline night on August 17th, when Aaron Fitt, via Twitter, broke the story that Steven Strasburg had signed with the Washington Nationals for more than a $15 million major league contract, uh, which was fantastic, thanks to the fact that our website was down. We had Twitter, and we broke that story via Twitter, and we're going to break some news to you here on this podcast about the 2010 draft, because Aaron, uh, draft season never ends, And uh, we've got a lot of summer college leagues to talk about. And we're even going to bring in in the second half of this podcast our very own Connor Glassy to talk a little high school. So we have a a jam-packed podcast today as we talk summer college leagues and then 2010 top 25 college and high school prospects. So a lot to cover, Aaron. And first off, we have to jump right in with the summer college leagues, which can be a chore. Let's face it. Yeah. There used to be like 8 to 10 summer college leagues, and that was... Well and good, and we used to do a top 10 Alaska. Way back in the day, we did a top 10 Alaska League prospects and a top 10 Cape Cod League prospects, and that was it. Now we do 18 leagues plus Team USA, so 220 scouting reports on BaseballAmerica.com on summer college league players. And, of course, you have a top 30 Cape that's mixed in there that Jim Callis does uh let's let's start off real quick i guess aaron let's just touch on the cape yeah we probably should do that that's where everyone has the most interest i do think it's fascinating that we had three atlantic sun conference pitchers drafted in the first round the supplemental first round this year and now we have another atlantic sun pitcher in chris sale who pitched his way into first strong i think first round consideration for the 2010 draft and we ranked him as a number one prospect in a i think admittedly weak cape cod league field well What's your take on the Cape? You went to the Cape All-Star game. Yeah. Uh, what was your take on Chris Sale and then just the Cape uh, as a whole this summer? Well, well, first of all, I think I think you're right that the, the Cape was down. Um, but
1: you know what? Team USA was down, and, and every league was down this year. Uh, it's a weak college class, this this rising class, and we'll talk more about that later. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, I, I do think, in my opinion, Chris Sale was the right guy. I think he was... He was the right choice for number one. I mean, he, he dazzled in the All-Star game in the brief look that I had, only six pitches, but, um, you know, I, I base my, my strong opinion of Chris Sale more on, on what I've heard um, for people who have seen a lot of this guy. I mean, the, the scouts down in Florida who've seen him kind of jump up in velocity since high school. I mean, he was, he was kind of a low-to-mid-80s guy in high school. He jumped up to kind of the 86-89 range as a freshman, and then this year he jumped again as a sophomore. Now he's kind of in that 90-95 range, He's got a very good changeup. I guess the knock on him is, is the breaking ball, but he does have kind of a little bit of a, 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 a Frisbee-type slider because he's got right. a low arm slot that, that I think can be an, an effective pitch for him. I guess there are questions about that. but Well, let's I mean, face
0: it. Well, the guy that all the buzz is this morning in prospect circles uh, was Madison Bumgarner, making his big league debut last night. Um, and that's what Ben Badler was tweeting about, I was referring to earlier. And Madison Bumgarner is a low arm slot guy. Madison Bumgarner doesn't have a great... Uh, breaking ball. Chris Sale, I don't think, has Madison Bumgarner's fastball command. And just having talked to a scout about Mad Bum, and I'll end up blogging this later today, but uh, I think it's a big difference in Madison Bumgarner and Chris Sale. But there's some similarities too. Yeah. And Sale has good size, like Bumgarner, not as physical, right. taller, but not as physical, it's low left-handed. slot, left handed, plus fastball. And uh, there's a lot to like, I think, with Chris Sale. I just also think that an average Cape year he would not be the number one prospect. I think what we, the Cape tells us overall, Aaron, and what we kind of already knew, the 2010 college class yeah. is not shaping up as a super strong no. one. And, and, and I've talked to scouts, John, who who have Chris Sale
1: number one in their whole college board. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, he's, you know, I, for me, it's, 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 it's Anthony Renato, and, again, we'll discuss that more later. But, uh, you know, I think in this in this this Cape League group, and for me, it's, it opens wide up after that. I mean, no I, doubt. Zach Cox is number two. I mean, he's a very intriguing player, but he's also clearly a flawed player. I mean, his his defense at third base is a question mark. Uh, he strikes out a decent amount, but he's got power. Uh, I do think he's going to hit. I mean, he's 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 a, a good player clearly, uh, but
0: there's a lot of question marks for that to be the number two guy in this list. And he's got back issues. And he, thought, and he hit two seventy yeah. as a freshman. I mean, that's good. It's fine. So you can't bury him based on the numbers, but I mean. He's not a – him and then have Jed uh, – now, you pronounce his last Jed name. Jed Jorko. Jed Jorko of West Virginia. Um, oh, I've, I've seen his name butchered all over the place. I didn't want to butcher the pronunciation. But, you know, Jed Jorko is kind of a – and he's getting Dan Ugla comps. And the guys I've talked to really think he can hit. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And that makes him stand out in this class uh, for me. He's got
1: some I, legitimate power, too.
0: Yeah, that's it, – it's strength. I mean, maybe he's not this athletic – but you get Dan Uglick comps a lot with guys like that. I'm going to throw Brett Lowry on him a little bit. Not having seen him, because that's the same yeah. thing you hear about Brett Lowry. Brett Lowry is physical. He has power. He can really hit. That'll have to be for another podcast when J.J. Cooper and I revisit the World Cup that's going on in uh, Europe, but starting today, as a matter of fact, September Excellent. 9th. So uh, just, it, it just it all keeps coming together, Aaron. But uh, Brett Lowry playing for O Canada in, in the World Cup. But, yeah, I mean, the, I think the fact that Jed Jorko a guy who doesn't have a real great profile, is the number four prospect in the league. Tells you a little bit about the tape. Uh, anybody on that list who maybe is maybe lower on the list, not that a guy that you would have ranked higher, yeah. but a guy who really intrigues you, who you sure. think could jump up on our 2010 list as next season approaches? Well,
1: the first name that jumps out, of course, to me is Jared Parker, who's yeah. number 25 on this list because he didn't have a good summer. He struck out a ton. And, he, and he, he struck out an awful lot in, in, in his college career in Virginia, too. He, he swings and misses a lot. I mean, yep. That's the biggest knock on the guy. And I think he was worn out this summer. I think that Jim was right to rank him 25th on this list because uh, you have to base it on performance this summer to some degree. But this is a guy who has serious five tool potential. Um, you know, he's, he, he's a true center fielder with, with, with speed and power potential. Um, and I think he could jump up if he can continue to improve i mean he improved an awful lot john from his freshman year to his sophomore year um if he continues to refine that offensive approach i think you could see him go pretty high in the first round um and, and you know another guy that i think is kind of similar that didn't even make this list is ryan lamar from michigan yeah yeah uh, a real five tool guy didn't have a good summer um i think that's a guy that could really jump up next year as well
0: i think you know who my uh, personal cheese ball is on that uh, on that cape list it's rob rasmussen yeah i've always been a big Rob yeah. guy. Uh, I had a scout tell me in Southern California in 2007, they had the best, best breaking ball in, in the Southland that year and uh, a legitimate fastball to go with it. And uh, guys who have hand speed like that generally throw a little bit harder than the, as pros than they do as amateurs because the hand speed is why how you project velocity. Uh, you can do it with the body. You can also do it with hand speed. And then you've got uh, the hand speed to spin a breaking ball like he does. Uh, I'm a big Rob Rasmussen fan. And uh, the, other, the other thing I would watch from that, from that cape list is you had two Virginia Tech guys on there. Yeah. And uh, Mickey Wiswall, right? Or did he oh, BC, No, I'm sorry, Jesse Hahn, and then who's the other Tech guy? Uh, Austin Buc- Waits, Austin Waits,
1: athletic outfielder. And, and, of course, you also have Matthew Price. Who Correct. Didn't make the list.
0: Oh, uh, he'll be an eligible sophomore next year. And, you know, you saw some head scratching them on the uh, blogosphere and the web and some of the, I'm sorry to say, less informed people uh, when you saw Pete Hughes' name in that Washington coaching search. Pete Hughes deserved to be in that Washington coaching search. He did a nice job at Boston College. He laid the foundation for what happened for Mick Aoki, who was his assistant, built on. I mean, Mick Aoki deserves the credit for what happened at BC this year. No, I'm, I'm not trying to get anything away from Mick Aoki. But P. Hughes did lay the foundation for that program and then goes to Virginia Tech. And he's clearly laid the foundation for yeah. Virginia Tech to get a they lot have, better have in college better. baseball. They've gotten a lot better. And they, it's not a coincidence, I don't think. I don't think it's luck that or happenstance that they had three players, two who rank in our top 30 and a third who was possible there. So he was in the mix at Washington legitimately. I, I think, John, I'm going to make the
1: prediction right now. I think Virginia Tech makes a regional list. I
0: think so, too. That's where I was headed. And I, I, I think you see those seeds. That's one of the great things. That's one of the things both of us like about doing these summer college league top prospect lists. It gives us a real look ahead to next year's college season. For example, Murray State. Uh, represented very well on our Jayhawk league list. And they had a couple players in other summer college leagues that had nice nice years. I wouldn't be shocked if Murray State is the team that wins the Ohio Valley next year. Yeah. Just, yeah. just little things like that. Sure. If Ohio State wins if, if Murray State wins the Ohio Valley next year, you'll have seen those seeds first. You'll have known about that first from our summer college league list. Let's look at some other colleges, Aaron, that to jump off just from the Cape, that had te- that sent out a lot of players because you have a great stat from yeah. last year on our summer college league lists. That indicated something about the next spring,
1: right? Yeah, I mean, last year, John, the uh, two teams each had five players make our our lists of our of our, our two hundred twenty players we ranked. Yeah, Texas and LSU led all schools. The only two schools that had five players on this list, and of course, we know Texas and LSU played for the national championship. So, um, you know, that that's a pretty good indicator of, of the of how talent um, does translate Absolutely, into the spring. Yeah. This year, the, there are three teams had five players. Um, to lead the nation. Uh, Mississippi, uh, Rice, not, not a big surprise that either of those two Absolutely. Schools. How about Washington State, John? That was Washington kind of a Washington State made, made a regional this year. Uh, they're going to be awfully darn good next year. They've got a lot of young talent. I mean, the, the players that they had in the NECBL really stood out. Uh, good projectable left-hander named Adam Conley that they're excited about. Um, you know, Ch- Chad Arnold, uh, who, a guy that, that um, yeah. Donnie Marbut told me this spring is, is – the biggest recruit they've ever had there, uh, a guy that really could take off next year. Uh, he's, he's off Tommy John's surgery now. He's, he's more than a year removed, uh, more than 18 months removed. I mean, he, he's a guy that I think could, could really leap up next year. So Washington State is a, is a program that I think you'll see finish once again up in the top of the Pac-10.
0: Absolutely. Now I'm going to have to remember which league Rusty Shellhorn is in. It was one of the last leagues that I edited was the Powell Latimer League.
1: Yeah, the Prospect League. The Prospect
0: League, that's it. The Prospect League, the former Central Illinois Collegiate League. That's right. Where you had Mikey Matuk, LSU, number one. We all saw him. This league's list really intrigued me, actually, Aaron, because the kid at Cornell, Brian Billigan, he sounded intriguing. Mm -hmm. uh, Guy with a plus run tool. Kyle Goodell at Valpo, I remember it specifically from doing last year's college preview where their coach, I think it's Jeff Woodson, Tracy Woodson, the former NC State third baseman, former big leaguer, who put that? Goodell is the first, and actually the only player in Valpo's baseball program history who was drafted out of high school, didn't sign, and then came to Valpo. So he's got he's got some intriguing talent. Yeah. And then they have the Shellhorn kid, who actually was the number nine prospect. Who I remember just very intriguing out of high school in the state of Washington. Guy didn't pitch a lot at Washington State, but struck out all, yeah, all twenty one outs in a high school game, whereby strikeout once for him, tied a state record set by Tim Winsickum. He's a little lefty, kind of basic. <laughs> Basically, a poor man's uh, Rob Rasmussen is what he is. He's a he's a Washington State guy as opposed to a state state of California guy. Yeah. So he's less polished, hasn't faced the level of competition that Rasmussen did. Although Rasmussen also went to a private school, didn't didn't, and that was the big question about him coming out of high school: how good? How would that stuff play against better competition? So we'll see with Rusty Shelhorn. But he, the guy struck out eighty-nine guys in sixty-eight innings this summer. So so got a plus curveball, and uh, we'll see. Five foot eight. Left hander. Uh, sometimes you can see those short left handers do some things in college. So there are, that, that's the reason we do these summer college lists. There are guys, even eight or nine or ten deep in some of these middle tier, uh, you know, not the Cape, uh, leagues. Every, after the Cape, everyone kind of is in the same bag for me. With the exception of, I, I do think, John, the Northwoods League
1: has clearly salvaged itself. Established itself as the clear-cut number two league, and I
0: do think year in and year out yep. they are the most consistent second league. I think there might be other years, some years where other league rivals it in talent, but I agree with the Northwoods League. And in yeah. terms of attendance, it's the number one league.
1: And here's one thing I've noticed about the Northwoods League, and it's one reason that I think next year, you know, I might I might consider going to 20 deep on this league. Wow, look at you! Say. Wow, because there are always guys who don't make the top 10. Uh, who are younger guys that got consideration for the top ten, and yeah. the next year they go to the Cape and they blow up. And I'll give you a couple examples. Brett Jackson.
0: Nice. Almost Good made call.
1: by top ten a couple of years ago in the Northwoods. Didn't make the cut. He blew up. Uh, Dal- uh, uh, Victor Black. Nice. Another guy. Uh, DBU. You know, I mean, they, they, they're these kind of talented players. That, and there are guys like that this year that I really like in the Northwoods. Young players that didn't quite make the cut. Um, as it is, I think there are some, some players on this list Rob Brantley, the catcher out of UC Riverside, is the number one guy. He sounds really, ex- he sounds really interesting. Absolutely, yeah. he really does. Left-handed hitting catcher, he's just loose and athletic. Uh, he can really hit, and he's, he's got the tools to catch, I think, as well. Uh, Dixon Anderson, another one. Actually, there are two power arms out of Cal on this list. Yeah. Dixon Anderson. Uh, Eric Johnson, I mean, Cal, they, they produce a lot of good arms. I mean, we've seen yep. that over the years. Yeah, Tyson um,
0: Ross, or uh, this year the right fielder, oh, Brett Smith, the right Grant, fielder. Brandon Morrow. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Blake Smith's the guy you're talking Blake about. Blake Smith, thank uh, you.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, so these are, they, here's two more for you for Cal. See if, they can, if those guys can translate their talent into results this spring. And,
0: I, and I'm a big Tony Thompson fan. I will see mm-hmm. what he can do. I've only seen him one time. I've talked to one scout about him. That's a guy who's very spread out, doesn't use his lower half in his swing very much. But he has got some real juice. And, again, he was a guy 20-plus home runs this year, yeah. helped lead Kansas into regionals. I mean, they played in a regional final in North right. Carolina. So I think this is, a. at the very least, he's a good draft prospect at the very least. He's a candidate to be a, an All-American next year. He's one yeah. of the best well, power hitters He'll be a pretty All-American, I would guess. Yeah, I think so. And this is a guy who only ranks fourth in the Northwoods League. So yeah. it tells you... A little bit about the depth of talent in that league.
1: And I've got two more picks to click that I want to mention in that league. Please Tom, do. I, I really like this league, and I think it's important that we, uh, we recognize the talent here. Michael Kwaznica as uh, a guy that he's got good baseball bloodlines. His dad was a star for Minnesota. Sure, uh, the Minnesota
0: Kwasnikas, absolutely. Uh, of
1: course, yeah. And he also played pro ball, his dad. Uh, this guy is, is very intriguing. I mean, the, the, So that's the how you scouts, pronounce that
0: name. That's right. That's what, I learned that this summer. It's the, uh, it's the Elmer Flood pronunciation. <laughs> that's right.
1: He's uh, a switch hitter, a great, a great swing. I think he's going to hit. He's got power, he's got a chance to catch. Really good, uh, intriguing package there. Had a very good summer.
0: Hey, we like we like the Gophers. We liked them th- yeah. this previous year. We thought it was going to be a big year in, in the in the Big Ten. And it was, and they return a lot of those players. I mean, they they lost Matt Nolte. Yeah. They have some power arms coming back, don't they? They have some,
1: they have some good power arms. I mean, the guy Seth Rosine, was yeah. in the Cape, almost made the, the top thirty over there. Is is the most notable guy. Uh, they, they've got some good Sexton in the bullpen. Is yeah. a really good arm, uh, Colin Sexton, and, and and also, I mean. Um, you know, A.J. Patterson. I think he was on our Freshman All-America team. This That's year right. He was. A lot of good young players. I think Minnesota is going to be really good next year. I think Michigan is going to be good uh, once again. I mean, Ohio State, the, those three teams. They're always again, in the mix. They're always in the mix. They yep. will be again. Uh, but the last guy, John, this is a guy who could blow up, uh, is, is Brooks Pincard. Uh, okay, and he's in the Northwoods. He's, he's, he's a two-way guy. He really, really has played more outfield for, for Baylor, and they're going to use him primarily in the outfield because he's a really good athlete. He's a plus-plus runner. But and, the arm strength is there. there,
0: yeah, no doubt. But
1: the scouts love this guy off the mound. He was 94 to 96 easy, I yeah. mean, without, you know, just effortless. Um, he's very raw off the mound, but this is a guy who I could see Going into pro ball, getting drafted as a pitcher, and just, it just exploded.
0: I just remember seeing, reading that and thinking, man, this is a pretty good league when you got a guy who's throwing 95, 96 miles an hour at times, and he's seventh in the league. Yeah. Because, you know, in the, in, the, in the leagues I did, the Jayhawk League, and what else did I do? Cal Collegiate. Cal Collegiate, thank you. <laughs> That's pitiful. Um, first time ever doing the Jayhawk League. Boy, that was not That's a fun a league treat, to do. isn't it? The Jayhawk League is a tough league to do. Uh, the only manager who I didn't talk to ended up being Grover, the human rain delay. Mike Hargrove. I did not let him delay my top ten. But I tell you I had really. This is a league that did have players, just no true number one type of guy. Could have gone with West Cunningham, which I did because he could hit. Could have gone with Bobby Doran, uh, who's now at Texas Tech, uh, who could really has arm strength. The guy who really intrigued me the most on this league on this list, though, was this kid at Duquesne, Andrew Heck. So we'll have our intern, Dan Budrica, who was there this here this summer. Who goes to duquesne he's going to keep a special eye and bear down on andrew heck for us sure. uh first of all you have to encourage andrew to, to grow a chin strap beard second of all <laughs> you have to really bear down on andrew uh, on, on andrew to to see if andrew heck is more of a prospect as a pitcher and that's a tough part when you go to a school like duquesne and you stand out and you're the best player you end up going both ways you're know, trying to do everything and it's hard to scout guys like that because you know is he a pitcher is he a hitter uh the, the leagues that I think, I think the Cal Collegiate League is an interesting league. It is. Uh, really I, think it, I think I think that's the biggest thing that we've seen in college summer college baseball over the last few years, that we should wrap this up, this part of the discussion anyway, is that there are more leagues, the talent is more spread out, there are more opportunities for players, which is good. Uh, the problem, I do think you, get, you, you have a lot more opportunity for players in the West. It used to be that West players went be the Alaska League or the Cape, and that was basically it. Now you have the West Coast League is definitely a legitimate option. Absolutely. Very well-run league and a good competitive league. Interesting
1: that a lot of Texas players go out there. It there is. Four Texas guys and four Rice guys on your top ten.
0: Yeah, and you have more guys in the Cal Collegiate. Yeah, it's very strange. I think, that's the, I think that's the Bill Pintard factor for the Santa Barbara Forsters. He really lures players in there. But you did have, I think, even some Texas players in the West Coast League, and then you have California guys who go to the Northwoods. So I think that there's, there's some of these uh, connections that you have out there. Right. And uh, whereas in the Southeast, really players either go, it seems like players who are freshmen in the Southeast go to the Coastal Plain League and then they graduate as sophomores of the Cape. Right. And it seems that like happens that's a
1: lot. And, and you'll see that, I think, just looking at this year's or Coastal the Valley. Plain League list, for the Valley. Uh, I mean, just to touch on, on this year's Coastal Plain League list, uh, Will Lamb, exciting two-way guy, I, you know, tons of raw talent. If he can tap into it, he could be a big star in college oh. baseball. Very interesting. Um, Pratt Maynard is a guy that that I think is is also very intriguing. There, there was a definite ACC feel on this list. Yeah. Thompson in North Carolina State, well-represented. Pratt Maynard uh, played some third base this year. I think uh, scouts like him as a catcher. A uh, guy can really hit, John, and he's got a great arm.
0: And a guy in Trent Rothland, who, again, is going to be a factor in the SEC. I mean, yeah. Ole Miss lost some pitching, but Trent Rothland's the junior college transfer, has got a chance to pitch on weekends in the uh-huh. Southeastern Conference. And he's, he's, that was big,
1: a he's a big recruit for Clemson Absolutely. a years ago. Didn't work out there because they had so many arms, but uh, he, he, I think he could make a big impact at Ole Miss.
0: Yeah, no doubt. So I think summer college baseball definitely has its place. Uh, I am going to say a special shout-out because I know he listens to the podcast. Bob Steinkamp, my guy in the Mink League, he's shutting down the Beatrice Bruins, uh, retiring uh, uh, Bob, uh, Coach John, uh, Jordan Danks, uh, number one, so Jordan Danks had a great year in pro ball this year for the White Sox, Coach at Chamberlain in summer ball, uh, just, so just in the last few years, that's why the Beatrice Bru- Bruins did he have Alex uh, shouldn't Gordon matter to you a little bit. bit. I, I think he did, I think he did have Alex Gordon. So I just think pretty impressive. It's been there forty years. Recent or track record, like that, John. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So there, there are a lot of little special pockets out there, like the Clorinda A's and the Mink League, where Ozzie Smith played 35, 40 years ago, and still goes back. I think I, I think it's thirty years ago. No, it's really probably thirty-five years ago. Um, but there are little pockets like that. The Cape is a special place, and the Cape gets more than its share of attention because of where it is, Boston, that media market. And the Northwoods League has earned everything it gets because it's good quality baseball. They draw a lot of fans. You know, just think about what Big Ten baseball could be like at the summer season. If it's a big college season. We're in the summer. And that's the Northwoods in some ways. Um, but there are a lot of other little special things out there, like the Midnight Sun Game in the Alaska League. Uh, like the way the Clark Griffith uh, and the Cal Ripken League play like an interleague All Star game. Like I think the, it's the, the, tradition the Ripken in the Valley. We saw the Ripken in yeah. the Valley. Mm-hmm. I love the Valley League. The tradition of like Absolutely. Stanton and the guys that come out of there and. Uh, the Kristen Pratt's who come out of there, and uh, uh, some of our alumni, Nathan Rodey, who was a bat boy yeah, in, the, in the Valley League. Right. There are a lot of great stories in summer college baseball. All that said, if the NCAA moved its season to summer, uh, all the popularity and the growing popularity seeing summer college baseball uh, could be translated to college baseball and, and grow much more, I think, if summer, if, if NCAA college baseball were just played in the summer. The Ketuit, Kettleers and the Chatham Anglers are no match for the North Carolina Tar Heels or the Texas Longhorns or the LSU Tigers when it comes to fan appeal and brand name uh, appeal nationally. I think college baseball and the NCAA is missing out if they would just move their season to summer college and baseball. MLB could still give them wood bats if they wanted to, like they do these summer college leagues. I don't there see are
1: plenty of people who, who agree with you on that one, and I think I you know I wrote about this some uh, in the college preview a couple years ago, and Gene Stevenson, of course, has
0: been has been yeah.
1: saying this for years, and there's others who are, who are with, with you and, and Gene on that one. It's, it's never going to happen. I don't. It's think never going to happen. <laughs> it's never going to happen. Fun to talk
0: about. It sure is fun to talk about in the podcast here on BaseballAmerica.com. He's Aaron Fit. I'm John Manuel. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with our podcast question. The email address is podcast at BaseballAmerica.com and we're going to go grab Connor uh, Glassie and bring him in and talk a little 2010 draft on the high school side here on the Baseball America podcast. If you follow the draft, you need the Baseball America Draft Almanac in your book library. From 1965 through the 2009 draft, all the picks, all the signings, every organization, plus Baseball America commentary in one reference book. Visit BaseballAmerica.com store and order your copy today. The new edition ships in November, and this book is available only through Baseball America. Visit BaseballAmerica.com slash store or call 800-845-2726 today to order your copy of the Baseball America Draft Almanac. Back on the Baseball America podcast, joined now by Connor Glassie as well as Aaron Fit, And we're just going to real quickly go over the college top 25 that we did. Then we'll go a little bit more in depth on the high school side. Uh, but, Aaron, uh, the college side, like you said, we, the college side of our list, I mean, I think it just tells you the weakness of the class. When we have two junior college players right in the top, uh, the top five, basically. Yeah. And I think, granted, Bryce Harper's a special player, and we're going to talk a little bit more with Connor about those since he's, he's seen some of Bryce as well. Uh, we get to see him here with Terminus Star. But LeVon Washington going to Chipola, unsigned first-rounder. Uh, LeVon Washington has a chance to go much higher than 30th yeah. uh, in the 2010 draft, uh, especially considering the guy basically had no arm this year, like a 10-arm on a 2080 scale. It was below. It was worse than any major leaguer's arm. I think I still got drafted in the first round. I think it tells you the rest, of his, uh, the rest of his repertoire, the rest of his tools, I should say. But, Aaron, two guys at the top of our list who do not, they're not even pitch this summer are really the top two college players for us and Anthony Renato and Deck McGuire.
1: Right, yeah. And, and you know, I, I just think that this class is so light on bats. You're going to see a lot of, from the college side, you're going to see a lot of arms go early. Um, Renato and Maguire, to me, are both very polished. They both have great size. They both can really pitch with their fastballs. They both have good breaking balls. They both have good change-ups. Yeah. I mean, it, there's, there's, to me, the, these guys are the, the whole package.
0: They stand um, out to me from the rest of yes, that crop. They do. Now, with all due respect to Chris Sale, those two guys fit the profile a lot better than he does. They they pitched in in major conferences and
1: had success. I think Deck McGuire was the ACC Pitcher of the Year this year as a sophomore. Uh, And Renato, of course, we saw what he did, leading LSU to the national championship. I mean, uh, those two guys are studs, I think. But after that, um, we had a a, a tough time deciding who would be the top position player on our board.
0: Very hard. And, you know,
1: we ended up going with Christian Colon, a guy who doesn't have, uh, I'm talking about the top four-year position player. Right. Uh, A guy who doesn't have... Uh, huge tools right Um, you know he's 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 kind of fringe average tools across the board except for in in my mind John this is a a huge difference he's got he can really hit I think he's he's, going to be a plus hitter and I think he's going to be an offensive second baseman and I think he's going to be a very productive player because his instincts make everything play up he's only a fringe average runner but I mean he steals I think he was 24 for 26 stealing bases this year very smart ball player, uh, and he does have some tools, obviously. Um, so, you know, I, I think he's a guy that will go high in the draft.
0: I think the whole problem here you know, on the whole college side is there's nobody who fits the profile. Yeah. That's the whole thing. On you know, the position players, there are no profile guys. Cologne is a middle infielder who doesn't run. Zach Cox right now is a third baseman. He might fit the profile best, but the hit tool is in question. Yeah. And, both those guys have injury so is issues. Defense, too. I was going to say, he might be an outfielder. Both those guys have injury issues. Cox with his back. Cologne broke his leg at the end of the summer. Rick Haig swings and misses a lot. We're not sure about his profile. Jed, uh, say his last name Jorco. Jorko. Again? Jorko. I don't know why I can't remember that. Jed Jorko, again, just doesn't look the part necessarily. He's a good hitter, a really good hitter. Uh, what position does he end up playing? And Bryce Brent might be the best raw power guy out of all these guys. Huge bat speed, but... But he's a six-foot-tall, right-handed-hitting outfielder. the um, corner
1: outfielder, and, and you know what else is, is... There are questions about his makeup. I mean, right. He did not impress people this summer.
0: I mean, Gary Brown doesn't make hard enough contact. Jared Parker doesn't make enough contact. I mean, you, you just go up and down the, the college player list. There's not a lot of profile guys. It's a, it's a tough list. And, you know, the 2008 draft, the reason we got so hyped about that draft is the college guys could hit. You see why the scouts get excited when the college guys get hit. Because look at Buster Posey already in the big leagues. Look at what Gordon Beckham's doing in the big leagues.
1: Smoke, up, Alonzo. Up
0: and down. Pedro Alvarez. The second half, Peter Alvarez 1,000 ops in the, in the Eastern League. I mean, that was a special draft. And we knew it coming in. The reason why? College hitters. 2005, we knew it coming in. Braun. Braun, Zimmerman, and you know, Alice Gordon's Gordon, been a disappointment. Yeah. But Tula Witsky, you just you just don't have those kind of drafts come along. And this 2010 draft is the kind of draft where next year, Connor. We're going to be talking to these scouting directors, and we're going to hear guys talking about, "Ah, oh, we don't have any hitters. You know, you're going to hear the same thing over and over again. Uh, Aaron, last thing before you pass the mic to Connor is, uh, is there a guy who wasn't on that top 25 maybe who's close, that was maybe a guy uh, who we already haven't talked about in the summer college list who you yeah. think could pop on there. I know he had a little sure. difference well. well. Here's,
1: here's here's the sleeper that I, I think Connor would agree with us on this one. So a good transition. Josh Osich from Oregon yeah. State, a uh, big physical left-hander who can run that fastball up in the mid, mid to maybe even upper 90s. Um, he's got ridiculous raw stuff. Um, he hasn't had a lot of success. He hasn't really done anything yet in two right. years at Oregon State. He, you know, he, he, his numbers were okay this spring. You but know, they were dominate, yeah. But this is a guy who should dominate with his stuff. Um, I want to see what he can do. Maybe as a junior he just he pops, and, and, and he could jump up and be a, a top. He could be this year's, this year's James Paxton. You know, there was a time yeah. when James Paxton, everyone thought he was going to be a, you know, a top ten pick or so. Yeah. Slipped a little bit, but uh, uh, I, think, I think Osage has that kind of arm strength, and he's, he's even more physical than Paxton, I think. So I, he's... That's the guy that I think could could really uh, could really pop.
0: I think you're right. Uh, I I was a big Josh Hutchins guy on this list, but you're right. He hasn't he really just hasn't done enough. Uh, so we're going to bring Connor Glassie in now and, and talk a little bit about these uh, the high school list because I guess the thing is Connor uh, as you know. We, first of all, we have two guys named Sale, which is kind of neat. One on each list. I didn't know that. I don't know if we've ever had a player named Sale, uh, not that I can remember. And now we have two Sales. We have Chris Sale and we have Josh Sale. Out of Seattle, a lot of your old stomping grounds. Yeah, that's right. It's actually Sally. It's Sally. Oh, spelled the same way. We have to ask just, if Chris Sale spell. Is he, does he just, pronounce uh, his name that I way? Get sale. Okay, the guy for uh, the guy for Florida Gulf Coast. Actually, is Sale, but Josh Sally. Any re- in their relation to John Sally? I hope not. Anyway, I want, I want to see him on Best Damn Sports Show, which thankfully that shows off the air. But uh, it does seem like the top of the high school list is, p- is pitchers. But even without um, you know, Bryce Harper, wouldn't have been in the 2010 high school list anyway. But there are some. If you want a hitter high school list does seem like it provides at least a few bats connor right right there are a few bats and,
2: and like you said the the list is dominated by pitching i think that's again the strength of the, this year's class there's some some real power arms especially at the top but there are some position players too i mean uh manny machado is the top position player on our list and he's a real slick fielding shortstop but he has a physical body and he's gonna hit a little bit too. He, he
0: sounds like he's Got a chance to be a better version of Gio Meyer, who was the first-round pick this year of the Astros and got off to a nice start in pro ball as well. But you know, Gio Meyer pretty much the, came into the year as probably the best high school shortstop and finished the year as a top high school shortstop. And it sounds like Machado's got a chance to have a better bat than him. Right?
2: Exactly. It's a similar profile, the, the high school shortstop that's slick enough at the position to stay there long term. Um, he, he's a real real fluid defender, good arm. And he has a little bit better body than, than Geo Meyer and uh, probably a more advanced hitter. I didn't see Gio you know, at right, this right. time last year, but he looks like he's a more advanced hitter than Geo was at that stage.
0: You have some, here's some names that some people will, well, I think, already know about. I know Carson Whitson is not related to Ed Whitson, nope. so we've got to make sure we get that one right. I love that we have Steve Bedrosian's son on here and Cameron Bedrosian. Yep. Um, but I think the, the names that everyone's going to have to know at the end are A.J. Cole and Jameson. Is it Talon? Tyone. Tyone. Tyone, yeah. Who, uh, out of the Woodlands, Texas, and A.J. Cole. And the, Tyone at number one, Cole number two. I think mean, those guys, sometimes like they might go back and forth on that. Just like two years ago, there were a lot of people who said, "Boy, well, Rick Porcello or Matt Harvey, who do you like better? I mean, who would people take right now? I mean, Matt Harvey's the one guy you know, Aaron and I probably could have talked about more. Not even in the Cape Top 30, not in the uh, t- college top 25. That's a guy who turned down a million dollars at a high school two years ago, and it really seemed to regress in 2009. But Tyone and Cole, what was the thought process maybe that you and Nate Rohde went through in debating those two at one and two? And uh, what's the differences or the similarities between yeah. those two guys?
2: You know, I wonder if, if Matt has followed uh, Matt Harvey's career. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that's a great question. A good one. Uh, yeah, Tyone and, and Cole are definitely close. We have them one, two, and we have Tyone number one right now. And really, there's not um,
0: a, t- a huge difference between those guys and then Whitson and Stetson Alley, right? Some guys like Stetson Alley in that group, don't they? Maybe Stetson Ali fell off a little bit this summer.
2: Stetson Alley... You know, we have him at 5, and I, th- I think that's where he belongs right now. Okay. He he does have, in terms of pure arm strength, he has the best pure arm strength. I mean, okay. I've seen him up to 98, and okay. it's just electric.
0: Yeah.
2: But he, he needs to kind of figure out where it's going. He because, has a little more refinement
0: to do than Tyone and Cole.
2: Yeah, he definitely does. And he's, he's you know, they're more starting pitchers, and he's pitching out of the bullpen now. And okay. I saw him uh, at East Coast Pro. In the first inning, he looked great. He was 95 to 97. Just... Dealing. Yeah. second inning came out, he was more 92, 94, and his inning went something like walk, walk, hit batter, hit batter, walk, hit Yuck. batter. You know, he 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 really kind of lost his stuff there. So he gotcha. needs a little bit more refinement, but the but the arm strength is special. And,
0: and um, then and so then get to the original question, Tyone and Cole, I mucked, I muddied the waters with the talking about Witsen and Alley, but so it's I saw Tyone at the uh, Tournament of Stars. The thing that impressed me the most was the size and the his ability to repeat his delivery at that size and at that age is pretty impressive. Is that why he's number one for you? That's why he's number one. I mean, A.J. Cole is a little bit more projectable. He
2: has the the leaner, thinner frame that scouts can can dream on. And the stuff is really good right now. I mean, he's been up to, I've seen him up to 94. You know, I've heard reports that he's been a little bit higher. But he just hasn't been as dominating as Tyone has been. Tyone Mm -hmm. is already, he's already filled out, but he's showing great stuff and he's just been... I mean, he's been great every time out in the summer, which is impressive considering these guys pretty much pitch
0: year round these days. The consistency uh, to do that in the summer showcase—that's hard to do, and that's an impressive. To me, that means a guy has a chance to get off to a really strong pro start. And I, I think confidence is such a big factor when the talent level is similar. If you not, if you pitch with confidence, you're gonna, sometimes you're going to play. It gives you a better chance to reach your ceiling. And I think that's an underrated factor. That I think. sure. And I mean, part of his confidence. Part of it is the fact that
2: he can just bring it against the best high school hitters out there and
0: overpower them. That's a, that's a huge part of it. Get, that's the best thing about the, the summer showcase. A hey, you do get a lot of innings. Sometimes you almost get too many. Like you said, all these guys are going year round, but you get to see the best pitchers going against quality hitters with wood bats. It's, exactly, it's great. You don't see him overmatch uh, less physical guys. Sure. One of the other guys on this high school list, you know, scouts are going to converge on Las Vegas this year anyway. I mean. They do every year anyway. Vegas has a lot of talent. But with Bryce Harper at CC of Southern Nevada, uh, joined now by his brother, a a legitimate left-handed prospect out of Southern California, joined by Donnie Roach, who uh, went to Bishop Gorman, uh, went to the University of Arizona for a year now, transferring also to CCSN. Um, So everyone's going to be in on Vegas anyway. But that's going to bring some additional heat in on Chris Bryant. Mm -hmm. It sounds, just reading the stuff, Connor, like Chris Bryant has a chance to be the top hitter in the high school class but he did not bring it consistently this summer. He was not, he just didn't perform, it sounds like, this summer. You're right. He, he's, a, he's a big,
2: tall kid, long levers, and, you know, I've seen him with metal. Okay. And with metal, it's ridiculous. He puts <laughs> on a show. there. You know, at the PG National Showcase uh, back in June. Yeah, Minneapolis. There was, a, right? there was a metal bat home run derby, which is, you know. Fun. Little, it's, it's just fun, basically. It's a little fluffy, It's just, but it is fun to watch, and especially when Chris Bryant got up there. The other, the other hitters in the event, they were all just pulling the ball down the line, you know, barely getting him over. He steps in and just starts hitting moonshots to center field <laughs> with metal. Now, with Wood, it's it's a little bit different story with him. He, um, I think maybe because of his long arms and, and you know, a, a little bit longer swing, he hasn't been able to make the adjustments to Wood that some of these other guys have okay. so far. But, you know, the raw tools are definitely there. He has incredible power, and when he does start to put that together and, you know, get around with a wood bat, it's, it's going to be special for him. Sounds
0: like his raw juice is really as good as anybody's in the class, and it that's high, high school or college. There's a distinct lack of power bats on the college side. I mean, Zach Cox is probably the, the best combination, or Jed Giorko, uh, you know, out of West Virginia. But there's just not a guy. That you can look at. It's not like that thumper that we had so many of again in the 2008 draft where you had Smoke and had Alvarez. Mm-hmm. Just not that guy who fits that profile on the college side. And it's, uh, that may open the door for more high school guys to get drafted. And again, that, I'll go back to that 08 draft because it was remarkable for having only two high school pitchers who got drafted in the first round and only one of whom signed, Ethan Martin. And that lets us transition to our. Uh, podcast question, which we're going to f- wrap up the podcast here real quick with a couple questions. Of course, Joe Locates, as usual, sending in the, the podcast question, you know, who will be better between Matt Perk and Garrett Cole as We look through the, dra- down, the look down the road at 2011. You already mentioned Matthew Perk. Does he follow that uh, Matt Harvey track? You hope for his sake he doesn't. Uh, now, he didn't turn down $4 million. I think those reports are exaggerated. It looks like he turned down in the low $2 million range. He still turned down a lot of money. And now he's going to Texas Christian. Uh, One difference is that Matthew Perk will be eligible as a sophomore. So he will be in the same draft as Garrett Cole. Uh, I'm going to give that edge to Garrett Cole because Garrett Cole throws 100 miles an hour. Not all the time, but he sits in the mid to upper 90s. I just think Garrett Cole's pure arm strength is so rare. Um, And the reports on him, he was number one on our Team USA top 20 that Aaron did. His pure arm strength is very rare in college, and it sounds like the makeup has gotten better. Those are big concerns about Garrett Cole in high school. Um, it sounds like he was a better teammate this summer than the reports we had out of high school. And again, look for UCLA to be very dangerous in 2010. We'll see if the Bruins ever figure out how to play. You know, If they can ever play fundamental baseball, catch the ball, hit the ball, throw the ball, not lollygag everywhere. You know, We'll see yeah. if the Bruins can ever do that. But if they do, uh, they have Trevor Bauer, Rob Rasmussen, or Rasmussen, as I've been saying, and Garrett Cole. That could be special. Uh, So I'm going to give that edge to Garrett Cole. Sure. That's that's just me. One other email I wanted to mention is Adam S. just gave us some kudos to J.J. Cooper and I. He thanked us for our Fix the Draft podcast. It was one of the most interesting conversations. He's heard about the draft, and no one else besides Baseball America is that knowledgeable about the draft. We appreciate it, Adam, and I, I think so. Uh, but before we wrap the podcast, I've actually, I forgot to ask you a question that I meant to ask you, Connor. Yeah. Just on the high school t- top 25, who's kind of your, not necessarily personal pick-to-click, but who's a guy who maybe you think is lower on the list who has the best chance of jumping way up to the top of the list? Is it a guy like a Justin O'Connor who is a Midwestern kid? Seems like he's shown some flashes at Tournament of Stars anyway of having some real hitting ability and some uh, pitching ability or is there somebody else on that list that you kind of like maybe the Aviles kid he sounds interesting the cat of New York. Yeah. Is there a guy or maybe even a guy who didn't make the 25 but who you think has a shot to break into that first round consideration?
2: Sure, sure. I'll, I'll give you Aviles. I, I think I'd say it. Aviles, Aviles. It doesn't have to be
0: one guy either. You can, right. you can go on for a while. Yeah,
2: he is he is interesting and you know, sometimes you see those northern kids increase their velocity Absolutely. you know in the uh, in the springtime. Um, but one guy that I really like is Drew Sisko. Okay. And the reason I like him is because, you know, his, his brother pitches in the Phillies. I do like Drew Sisko. I
0: remember this profile, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah.
2: And so, and the thing about him is that he doesn't have the raw arm strength that a lot of these pitchers on this list have, but he knows how to pitch. Yeah. He can control, he already controls and commands four different pitches. And he's a
0: gran- grandson of a pitching coach and big leaguer and Galen Sisko, so he has got pitchability, it seems like it just comes naturally to him. It does. It absolutely does. And the thing
2: with those kind of guys is that when you learn how to pitch, you know, before you have outstanding stuff, yep. some of those guys end up being better because they actually know what to do instead of just blowing their fastball by guys.
0: And unlike his older brother, Mike, he's not 5'10 or six foot. He's like 6'3, 6'4". He? Yeah. He's got, I don't remember 6'2". how big he is. I remember he had legitimate size, and that's the biggest issue with his older brother, who's already in AA in his first full season in pro ball and, you know, had a nice college career in South Carolina. So I like that being a pick-to-click. I also love that Drew Sisko goes to Wando <laughs> High School, which is just fun to say.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, he he has the better size. And so if he if his stuff increases a little bit, you know, he already knows what to do with it, and he's going to be even more effective than he already is. And, and I, you know, I've already seen him just
0: yeah.
2: just carve up these lineups every time out, you know, he just goes out there and, and deals.
0: And that's again, we'll bring, we're kind of bringing it back to the uh, to the beginning of the podcast, which where we talked a little bit about Madison Bumgarner making his big league debut. And this guy I talked to this morning, just talking about, he likes the fact that Adam Madison Bumgarner carved up double A guys with basically just not the same arm strength that he had last year. Mm-hmm. And you could debate why the arm strength wasn't the same, but he saw him eighty six to ninety, and he said his fastball still had late life. He still had control of it, and he actually had command of it. Yeah. And that's, you know, if you've listened to the podcast at all and you've listened to me ramble on for 40-plus minutes like we are today, um, I love fastball command. Sure. <laughs> and I just think it just we can we can make pitching as complicated as you want to. If you command the fastball and you can get a hitter out with a fastball, when they're looking for a fastball, you're going to be good. Yeah, you're going to succeed.
2: The thing with Bumgarner, I mean, do you think it goes back to the fact that coming out of high school, you know, there were reports that he he wasn't really allowed to throw – a curveball or a breaking ball until later in his high school career. So he really learned how to pitch off that fastball, command the pitch, and that's I think that's, that's exactly it what it was. is.
0: I think that's absolutely what it is and I talked about this with the scout today. When you see younger pitchers, uh, amateur pitchers who every time they need to or even pro pitchers, we'll bring it to Clay Buckholtz. I had this we had this debate with Jim Callis and uh, you know in our top one hundred last year or two years ago about Clay Buckholtz's job at Chamberlain. Who do you like? Why did I like Java Chamberlain? Because when he needs to make a pitch, he throws his fastball just as often as he throws his slider. Mm-hmm. When Clay Buchholz needs to make a pitch, it's never the fastball, or it's rarely the fastball. And it's the same thing with a lot of young pitchers. When you're a young pitcher, especially an amateur, and when every time you need to make a pitch, it's a secondary pitch, well, those pitches just aren't going to be, you'll see with David Price. You just don't get as many guys chasing that slider off the, out of the zone. You better learn to throw your break ball to be a swing-and-miss pitch in the strike zone. Because most of the time you have to throw it in the strike zone and get major league hitters to swing at it. Yep. Yeah, you can get guys to chase, but not all the time. And if you want to get the best hitters out, you better be able to get them out in the zone. That takes command. That takes late life. It takes. You can velocity is part of it, but not all of it. And I just think the biggest part is being able to throw a swing and miss pitch in the strike zone. That's very hard to do. But to be a big league. Frontline guy, you better be able to do that. Clay Buchholz does not do that with his fastball. at Chamberlain can, but he doesn't do it consistently. Uh, and David Price is still learning that. And uh, I, that's a big difference, and that's why I like young pitchers who can get out with the fastball. Clearly there's more to it than that. Clearly you can't just go out there and throw 60%, 70 80% fastballs. I think I overdo it when I talk about that when I go to those extremes. You have to have a really special fastball, uh, like a Kurt Schilling or a, Ra- a Roger Clemens fastball to be able to do that. Those are few and far between. but
2: Or the the dominating sinker
0: technique. Abs- right, absolutely. And even those, like a Kevin Brown, even those guys are few and far between. It's very rare. But uh, I want to see young pitchers who can throw the fastball and get hit or die with the fastball. Because, you uh, and that's what I saw with Tyone at Tournament of Stars. He got guys out with his fastball. Mm-hmm. He finished them off with a breaking ball, but he he kept throwing the fastball until guys showed they could hit it. Yeah. And most of the time they couldn't. They most just fouled of it off. Can. That's I mean, right.
2: Wood bats, you know, 97-mile-an-hour pitch up in the zone. And I respect, a I of these guys as good as they are. No chance. And I
0: respect some. that crazily about Garrett Cole. He just attacks with a fastball.
2: Yeah, I saw Cole pitch for the the Team USA collegiate team when yeah. they were here, you know, in our backyard, which is great. That's uh, awesome. And I mean, it was against Guatemala, but he was just. <laughs> I mean, you could just tell that he was dominating. Yeah. He, even against a real team, I guess I would say. Yeah, I mean, that's you fair. You can see him. You can see him dominate. Uh, he just he got ahead with his fastball. It, basically, his strategy was to get ahead, you know, strike one, strike two, and then it seemed like he would
0: almost he would scare him.
2: He would kind of brush him back and then throw a fastball away or a slider. Yeah. So, you know, with that kind of with that kind of juice on the fastball, and and his pitching style to intimidate, he'd, he'd be scary to face.
0: Well, that's and I think that's you know when you look at our college list, that's why Chris Sale was the top guy in our list because that fastball that's why Anthony Renato is a top guy on the four-year college list and it sounds like that's why Jamison Tyone and, and A.J. Cole are the top of the high school list so the 2010 draft starting to take shape and the biggest x-factor of course remains Bryce Harper and he is enrolled at the College of Southern Nevada uh, he'll take his GED in October once he passes that he'll be uh, eligible to play it College Southern Nevada and then I think all hell's gonna break loose we're gonna see all the scouts running and right now we've got uh I remember one of the first things you ended up doing for us last year, Connor, with your internship was kind of a chase for the number one pick. Yep. You kind of did that a couple times on the blog, and we'll see. Let's say like the Nats are going to be able to hold off the uh, Royals and the hard-charging Baltimore Orioles for that top pick in next year's draft. But uh, in my mind, 2010 is not a great year to have a really high draft pick because it's just not a great class. So uh, we'll have more on the Baseball America podcast next week, obviously, with Connor will wrap us up here. Well, I just want to say, have, yeah, you, have
2: you seen uh, Southern Nevada's schedule? You know, they played Chipola?
0: No, I did not yeah. see that. They, they, now, they played last year, so they'll open the year. Uh, that's, that's awesome. That's where yeah. scout every, every scout in the country will be there because they always have that opening season schedule uh, tournament before the Division One four year guys start up. And that's what they do it on purpose. So you'll have you could have Jake Elyopoulos and Levon Washington and Company there at Chipola, yeah, taking on uh, the, the Harper Brothers That'll and be fun. Uh, Donnie Roach. That will I be wonder fun. if
2: I wonder if Southern Nevada has added a bunch of bleachers this year because <laughs> of, <laughs> all the people that are going to be showing up to these games now.
0: They might have to. Maybe they should move them to Cashman Field, uh, the triple AAA field. But uh, I know that uh, I know we have guys who work for us who want to get out to Vegas and. Uh, I know we'll be in touch with our uh, usual Vegas contacts, which is a lot of fun. We, yep. like, our, we like our Vegas contacts. Absolutely. So those are good guys. But uh, th- th- that will be the team to watch. I mean, CC- CCSN might be the most talented team in college or, 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 or uh, amateur baseball next year, bar none. And uh, it'll be unusual to see that many junior college guys that high in the draft. We hope you uh, bared through the entire podcast. a long podcast today, but uh, we didn't do one last week, so we're just making up for it. So for Aaron Fit and for Connor Glassy, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next time on the Baseball America podcast. Until until then, so long, everybody.